Hope in Christ with your host, Father Benedict Rochelle. And now, here's Father Rochelle. Hello, I'm Father Benedict Rochelle of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, and I'm here with the fourth segment of the series I'm doing on how to help the church. I said later, earlier on in this series, that I was presenting it mostly to Catholics because it's about problems and concerns in the Catholic Church. But if you're not a Roman Catholic, you could listen anyway because most of the religious denominations in the United States are having their problems at these serious times. And today, my topic is how to influence the church, the community, the leaders, whoever it happens to be. And I'm going to give you some secret weapons today, so if you're interested in being a positive influence in your parish, your community, your diocese, your religious order, get a pencil. Get a pencil, and we're going to make some very practical suggestions from the viewpoint of someone who's written some letters and received some letters, some of which were favorable, some of which were not. I've spent part of my life trying to be influential about things in a quiet sort of way, and I've got some suggestions for you. If there is something going on in your church community which is disturbing to you, I've already said earlier in the segment, don't blow up. Be courteous, be responsible, know what you're talking about, get the facts. And if you're a Roman Catholic, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get the new Catechism of the Catholic Church and check out the theological issues involved. And it would always be wise to get some theological or practical advice on what is disturbing you. Oftentimes, people get disturbed over things that are statements, but in themselves are not terribly uh, important theologically. They are statements and they say important things. But if you go to do battle, you may lose the battle because you're not going to come up with something that is very crystal clear. It's always best if you're going to protest something or work for the change of something or getting rid of something or getting something started, that you take one issue that you deal with the people in the order of the authority that they have, the local pastor, the bishop, um, perhaps between the local pastor and the bishop, someone who is appointed by the bishop to take care of such things, the director of Catholic Charities or religious education or what it may be. And it's always best to start with the assumption that these people are trying to do their best. I remember an incident in the life of Cardinal Cook, where he had to close a small Catholic high school simply because of money and to save some other schools. And uh, he went to the school to listen to people and hear them. And a little girl who was a freshman came out with the tears running down her face. And she walked up to the cardinal and she said, Why are you closing my school? And he said, Dear, we do the best we can. I think it's important to keep in mind that the vast majority of people in religious things are trying to do the best they can. 
If you want to change things, and I'll just use that as the phrase, if you want to change things, get a committee of informed, involved people. And sometimes your committee can include people from a couple of different points of view who want the same thing. For instance, suppose you had a committee going to improve preaching in the parish. Well, that could be an interest that was across a number of lines. But it's a committee that has to be very, very sensitive because the priest who's doing the preaching or the minister may be doing the best they can. They might need some hints, some helps, some encouragement, but you might get people from several different points of view who are equally interested in that, and a coalition is always a very effective committee. Be sure that the committee has something to say. They just can't object. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. What kind of suggestions can they make? And they shouldn't get their heart set on the suggestions. Because if the person in charge or the group in charge admits that there's a problem, there may be more than one way to skin the cat. One of the most interesting questions about a committee is how do the committee write letters? And I'll give you some points right here. Write them down. One, be brief. A typed letter, well typed, should absolutely not be beyond two pages. If you need to say more things, put them in an addenda or a footnote. Sometimes people write letters to me. I get a thousand letters a month. And I can't even read the letter. It's 14 pages long. You know, I'm working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. How am I going to read a paper that's, letter that's 14 pages long? So I don't read it. I, I, it's beyond my capacities. I'm trying to write hundreds of letters. Stick in a letter to one issue. A second issue deserves a second letter. Don't try to do too much with one letter. Choose the issues wisely and in order of greatest importance. If you're going to get up to bat, give it all you have, but make sure that you've got an important issue at hand. One that isn't just your own, uh, in your own prejudice or your own preference. And again, choose your issues carefully. Now, here would be some issues that might come up in a parish that uh, might seem to some people not terribly important. But a person might be distressed because in a certain religious situation, there is not enough reverence at religious services. That's an important thing. And Americans tend to be rather la-ti-da about things. But religious services, and certainly the liturgies of the Catholic Church, should always be reverent. Reverence may express itself differently at a children's liturgy, at a folk liturgy run by teenagers, at a liturgy for adults, but there should always be reverence. The brothers in our community often run whole weekends for teenagers called Youth 2000, and in these Youth 2000s, they have the Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament 
in the gymnasium on a big platform for almost the entire weekend and the youngsters come, teenagers, sometimes in the inner city, they love it and they are very reverent. Another issue that may be uh, of interest, I've already mentioned preaching, and that is the forthright teaching of the church. You know, sometimes preachers are not forthright because they feel that nobody's going to back them up if they are. I heard the story of one young priest, in fact, he told me himself, that he got dis disgusted and he thought, well, I'll go out and I'll say the whole teaching of the Catholic Church on sexual morality as it is. I'll put it right out there. He got a standing ovation. People had been pussyfooting all over the place about this because they didn't want to hurt this person and they knew somebody else had done something wrong and they didn't want to point the finger and they didn't want to break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax, which we are not supposed to do. But the result was that the preaching was namby-pamby. There also, another issue that could be important in a parish is that there are a variety of religious services, including devotions. Many people like devotional services, novenas, hours of adoration, stations of the cross, the rosary together. A church should provide these things. Many times these devotions can be provided by a prayer leader. It doesn't require a priest or a deacon to run them. But a variety of religious services which responds to the spiritual needs of the people is a legitimate request for a parish. Sometimes there are larger issues which get into deep waters. One of those issues is religious education. A friend of mine became pastor of the parish. This priest is a convert and has a doctorate in theology. The religious education texts which were required in the diocese were published by a couple of companies and the texts that were in his parish he sat down and examined the text for the whole first eight years and there was no clear statement of the divinity of Christ. He himself decided that he would not allow this text to be used and he got another text and he was called into headquarters by one of the lieutenants and chewed out and told he couldn't use that text and he said if you make me use that other text I will resign from the parish. The white flags went up. And here's something that is necessary to say covers this whole issue. I learned in life long ago that you have much more trouble in life from the corporals and the sergeants and even some of the lieutenants than you get from the generals and the admirals. The problems come often from people who are way down the line. These people deserve courtesy and it's wise to be courteous even if they are unwise enough not to be courteous. They deserve to be courteously told that you have a right to appeal and that you will make an appeal. And I think it's always courteous to tell them that you're going to do that. Oh, they'll get there first, but you get there with a nice, calm letter with a well-formed committee made up of some professional people. Avoid things that anybody might say are kooky. Unfortunately, 
clergy, like everybody else, get lots of kooky letters. I get letters every other week telling me the world is about to end. I get two or three private revelations a month sent to me in the mail, and if they all were true, I want to tell you, though Our Lady and the Saints would be very busy. And I can't even respond to these. I send them a form letter back, because to study something like this requires a great deal of time and a piece of one's life. Avoid attacking people. You can disagree with what someone does, but it's unchristian to attack them, to call them nasty names. That grouch, that bear, that dictator. Even if that's true, it's unkind, and we are required by the gospel to be kind. One of the most dangerous tools to ever use is a demonstration. Now, I say this as somebody who's been to lots of demonstrations for peace, for life, in many, many different things. Um, demonstrations for the freedom in Northern Ireland, for peace in the Near East. So, and demonstrations are plays, they're ballets. Nothing is ever discussed at a demonstration. If you go to a demonstration with the purpose of discussing the issue with the other side, you're wasting your time. A demonstration is that. It's a sign. And when you go to a demonstration, you should maintain your cool and uh, be composed and realize that no settlement of the problem is going to come out of the demonstration. The purpose of the demonstration is to make the other side aware that there are a number of people who disagree with them. Personally, I feel extremely uncomfortable with people in a denomination demonstrating against the leaders of their own church. Demonstrations are crude tools. They're like sledgehammers. And I find it difficult to imagine how someone can demonstrate against a bishop, against one of the leaders of the church. It's not impossible to imagine it, but it's difficult. It would have to be a very serious issue, and all other possibilities should have been exhausted. And the recognition should be had that this one probably isn't going to work. It might be helpful for a group that is going to ask for something to realize that at times the opposition to them is unfair or against canon law or just silly. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. You will get opposition, and the opposition should be worthy of you. It should be fair, legal, and not silly. And any opposition by any person in charge does imply the recognition that there can be an appeal. All regulations in the Catholic Church, all decisions, are subject to appeal. This is a right that people have. It would be a rare case that a person could not make an appeal. But appeals have to be made thoughtfully. They do hurt the person over whose head we appeal. And we should realize that we should avoid hurting people except when it is absolutely necessary. 
Once in my life, I had to hurt a lot of people. There were people who I cared about and still care about. They were the members of my own community. And I knew they would be hurt. And consequently, I spent not months, but years thinking about what could be done. Now, the question I want to take up now is a slightly different question. Suppose your enemy, or the person you're disagreeing with, is not an authority in the church. I shouldn't have said enemy. Your opposition. But it is the media. Now, the media is a little bit different. When you move into dealing with the media, you're moving from a world where we expect people to be gentlemanly to a world where we expect people to be feral or like wild beasts. And I've already mentioned clearly and demonstrated in a brief time the prejudicial opposition of the media in the United States to the Catholic Church. What the head of the United States Catholic Conference, Archbishop Keeler, calls the American Church story. They're trying to create the media an impression that the Catholic Church is very divided. As a matter of fact, sometimes the people who claim to represent a division in the Catholic Church have absolutely no one behind them at all. Catholics for Choice, for instance, is a paper organization. It's supported by powerful foundations in favor of abortion and known to be anti-Catholic, and it really doesn't have any membership at all. It's not even opposition. It's the phantom. The objectionable people there are the foundations, some of them very well-known foundations, that you buy commercial products from, who are supporting the enemies of the church. The media itself not only attacks the church, it tends to attack Christian morality, all kinds of morality. It, it is into violence and the abuse of sexuality in a terrible way. And here's where I want to mention someone who is one of my heroes, and he can help you a great deal, and that's Reverend Wildman, Donald Wildman, founder of the American Family Association in Tupelo, Mississippi, 38803. He must be the biggest thing in Tupelo, so I assume that if you write to the American Family Association, they'll find him. And... Reverend Wildman will send you his monthly, which gives you the precious material of the name, address, and 800 number of all of the sponsors of anti-moral, anti-family, anti-religious, and anti-Catholic programs that appear on television. It's a very large number of programs. And you can get your supermarket list together. You can do penance by sitting down and writing personal letters to these, to the presidents of these companies protesting the kind of television or radio that their products are advertised on. And Reverend Wildman will tell you the whole story. I, I never look at television, but he keeps me informed. And so I support him nobly. Now, if you're really retired and have some money and you want to do something marvelous, you can buy common voting stock in some of these corporations. And some of them 
are very, very large corporations that produce many commercial products. You can go to the stockholders meeting and you can turn the meeting right upside down because you can demonstrate that they are sponsoring programs that viciously undermine the morality of the United States and they are viciously anti-Christian and anti-Catholic. I'm sure you've seen priests portrayed in television as lechers and fools. If you buy the commercial products which are advertised on those programs, then you are a participant in the undermining of the Catholic Church. This is the same as true of newspapers that are viciously anti-Catholic. I don't know why it's not a sin to buy these newspapers. I'm not sure how you could justify it. Our Lord says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that does not stand with me, he does not gather with me, scatters. We need to stand together. By the way, if you really want to do something and you can't go to the stockholders meeting, write down the commercial products that are advertised on t wicked television shows and go to your supermarket and turn all the cans backwards. That's a nice little trick, too. Also, if the supermarket chain itself supports pornography and things like that, which some of them do, you should organize a boycott of your friends and tell the local manager, who may be as much a victim of the whole thing as you are, that this is what you're doing, and write to the general headquarters and tell them that you have a boycott going. Now, here's another wonderful thing you can do. How do you get EWTN on a television station, a cable station near you? Well, maybe one of the best things to know is that you could get a dish installed in your backyard for what it would cost you to have cable TV for two and a half years, and it would pick up basically EWTN and a small number of other programs, usually religious programs, that are not scrambled. Think of going by way of the dish. But if your cable service does have EWTN, write them a letter and tell them how much you love them and how much you love EWTN. If they do not have EWTN, get about 20 people who have the television cable network in their home and ask them to write a personal letter when they send in their check asking for EWTN. If there's no answer or no EWTN, get them to write the following month threatening to discontinue their subscription in two months if EWTN is on. If they get enough of these letters, they will put it on. I am told that the value of each subscription for the resale value of a television cable network is $2,500. And the retail value of a paid newspaper subscription when they sell the newspaper is about $500. Get them in the pocketbook and they will surely listen. Now, I can hear people saying, Father Benedict, we're used to you telling us nice things on television and talking about our problems and all this. How did you ever get off on this? This is something very practical. I'm not particularly impressed by Christianity or religion that does not do practical good things. We have to confess our belief in God before the world. 
practically. We have to do practical things. One of the most practical people is my old friend St. Paul. And as you know, there's a great many quotations in St. Paul that are never quoted and that I never put in the paper, or in, in the liturgy or in books or anything else. You never hear them read at church. I don't know anybody that reads them. Chapter 16, 1 Corinthians. Listen to this. Now, in regard to the collection for the holy ones, you also should do as I ordered the churches in Galatia. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside and save whatever he can afford so that collections will not be going on when I come. And when I arrive, I shall send those whom you have approved with letters of recommendation to take your gracious offerings to Jerusalem. And if it seems fitting that I should go, they will go with me. A collection. There's several places in the Pauline epistles where he's encouraging people to help other churches to take up collections and things like that. This is practical. We never read these things in the sacred scriptures, but they're there. We need to be practical believers at this time. Religion, faith, Christianity, the Catholic Church are under very, very severe pressure. Do not mindlessly support the opposition to the church. Do not tacitly and quietly go along with things which may undermine the church, either with false teaching or poor liturgical practice or bad preaching, or bad example. Don't be a silent witness. Be wise as serpents and simple as doves. Don't be unkind. Don't be involved in calumny. You say, well, you're talking about being pretty tough with the media. The media plays hardball. The vicious attacks on the Catholic Church in recent years have been done with axes, with the purpose of undermining the influence of the church in public life. On that one, we can fight back. But as for the people who run the media, I pray for them every day, that they will do penance. I pray for some of them that they will become cloistered nuns. I pray for others that they will become volunteer office boys at the Observatory Romano, or stable hands for the Carthusian monks up in Vermont, taking care of the horses. And it's the best possible thing I could pray for. Because unless they do penance and clean up their act, they are bringing into question the very purpose of their existence. The kindest thing that you could do for anyone who is on their way in the wrong direction and wasting their life in opposing God, the kindest thing you could ever do to them is to help them realize that if God is for us, who shall be against us? This has been the program Get a Life in Christ with your host, Father Benedict Rochelle.